Hello and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. And Sarah, you're under arrest. You know, I knew this day would come. It's fine. It's like, don't worry about it's me. It's finally, you've been found guilty of crimes across the multiverse. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and you have been sent to the infinite prison of paradoxes. Oh, God. Yes. Ew, this is some Alice in Wonderland stuff, man. It's not looking very good. I guess not. Now... Things are a little different here. For one, as the name implies, the prison is infinite in both time and space. So it's the perfect place for activities that may be impossible on other planes of reality. Okay. And secondly, in this place, the laws of physics don't run the joint. The laws of logic do. As long as something is logically possible, it can exist here. Oh, Spock would love this. Yeah, well... I don't think he'd like to be a prisoner. Well, I mean, okay, but looking past that. Maybe he'd like to be a warden. And speaking of which, and luckily for you, the prison is run run by a warden who enjoys puzzles and paradoxes. Okay. And he has made a deal with all the prisoners. If you can solve some of his brain teasers, he will let you leave the prison. I'm going to die in here. But if you fail, you'll be stuck there forever. Yep. So... No pressure. Yeah, I'll just settle in. It's fine. You may as well. I did bring a blanket, so but it's but cool. As the name implies, it's going to get pretty boring pretty quick, and there's not really going to be a uh, anything to uh, satisfy the boredom. Yeah. But the first problem <laughs> happens at check-in. Now the prison, the infinite prison, has an infinite number of cells. That makes sense. With an infinite number of prisoners. In those cells. Okay. Each cell is occupied by one prisoner. Sure. The warden tells you that if you can find a room for yourself, he'll count it as a point towards your eventual freedom. Okay. So, Sarah, assuming you don't want to sleep in the janitor's closet or share a room with one of the multitudes of multidimensional abominations, how do you find yourself a room? I don't know. What the hell? What? Okay, well, hold on a second. Let me see if I can help you out here a little bit. Let's assume that every room is numbered one, two, three, leading to an infinite set of numbered rooms. Uh-huh. Okay. And every room has one prisoner inside. Sure. Now, I don't know if this sounds familiar at all to you, Sarah, but people listening may may, may realize that this sounds a bit familiar because it's based on a thought experiment called Hilbert's Grand Hotel. In its original form, David Hilbert envisioned a hotel numbered with rooms starting one, two, three, and going on forever. Uh And every room is occupied. How how much drugs was old Hilbert doing? Well, Hilbert was a philosopher. That's not an answer. So the drugs were basically the mental masturbation of his own mind. Oh, or like chili with peeps in it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Okay. (laughs) So... uh, Hotel with infinite rooms. Every room is occupied. Wait, quick question. So why are you putting me in a prison instead of a hotel? I'm not. You are. No, I just said you were arrested. I had nothing to do with this. I really doubt that. I am. Uh, no. I don't. I don't. This, this <sighs> accusation is unfounded. So by our normal logic, that would mean the hotel has no vacancy, right? Mm-hmm. But this assumption is false. 
because of the properties of an infinite set. So the hotel has a countable, a countably infinite number of rooms, meaning no, no, far, no matter how far down the hall you go, each room is assigned a natural number, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no highest number, you'll never reach the end of that hall. Right. Even with an infinite amount of time. But we can use that to our advantage to solve the paradox. So let's go back to the prison. What you can do is you can ask every prisoner to step out of their cells. Then the prisoner in cell one moves to cell two. The prisoner in cell two moves to cell three. And so on and so on. Because there's an infinite number of cells, Mm -hmm. but each cell is numbered, every prisoner will have a room to move into. So you just like open the first door, tell the guy, hey, move down one, and so on. So you end up in cell number one. Exactly. Okay. It might be easier to do this over a PA system so you don't have to knock on every single door because mm-hmm. that could take a while. Well, but if like, say I knock on door number one, I'm like, hey, the warden said we're all moving down one room. So this is my room now. Uh-huh. So then guy from room one knocks on door two. Mm-hmm. So you only have to do the knocking once. That's true. So I'm just saying. Okay. So we figured it out. Perfect. Uh, don't give me any credit here. <laughs> I, I did not figure it out. But before you can move into the into cell one, the warden has been informed that a bus has arrived with new prisoners. And he turns to you and says, okay, hotshot, if you can find room for these prisoners too, I'll give you another point. Um, It's not my damn job. I'm not the warden. Well, he's giving you an, uh, an option. You can help him out. He'll start. He'll give you points towards your eventual release. You don't got to participate, but you won't get any points towards release. Okay. They say, okay, fine. Because you can just do the same thing you did before. If there's 20 prisoners, move everyone down 20 cells, right? Sure. But it's an infinite bus full of infinite prisoners. Correct. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Correct. Uh-huh. It is. And you simply can't move existing uh, inmates down an infinite number of rooms because infinity is not a number. Mm-hmm. They'll just keep walking down the hall. Forever. That's their problem. Damn. This is where the cardinality of the set of cells comes into play. So the cardinality is the number of things in a set. Like if you're talking about a deck of cards, the cardinality of the set would be 52. Mm -hmm. 52 is a cardinal number because it refers to the amount of cards in the deck. Okay. And in the infinite prison, the cardinality of the cells is not a number we can count to because it's unending. But every number in the set is tied to a prisoner, just like every number in the set of the deck is tied to a card. Okay. So we have to designate a specific number to each prisoner in order for them to all fit. So is it possible? You got two infinite sets, the infinite prisoners on the bus and the infinite prisoners in the cells. Can we assign a number to each of them? I mean, yeah, because there's an infinite number of numbers. But how do you do it? I wouldn't. (laughs) But you have to. No, I don't. I decline the offer. I don't care about your points. I just got in my room. I'm getting comfortable. Get out of here. Do your own job. Well, I'll tell you how to do it. (laughs) Because I would like you to get out because, you know, we got stuff to do together. Okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't have turned me in. I didn't. Yeah, right. I didn't. I do could it. have been in a hotel. You said prison. I didn't do anything. Okay. 
So here's what you do. You take the prisoners that are already in their cells, and you tell them to take their cell number and double it, then move into that cell. Okay. So person in cell one moves to two, two moves to three, three moves to six. Two would move to four. Sorry, two to four, three to six, four to eight. Yeah. And suddenly, only the even number cells are taken. Okay. And every odd cell number is empty. Okay. And in an infinite set, the amount of odd numbers is equal to the amount of even and odd numbers. Okay. Because it's infinite. Sure. Now you can assign each prisoner on the bus to the odd cell numbers associated with, with like maybe their seat number. If you're in seat number one, you take the first odd number and then so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then they can move right in. So despite having an infinite number of cells being full, you can still fit an infinite number of people in those rooms. Okay. But then the warden tells you that he's not happy about this because he's a busy man and moving an infinite number of prisoners into an infinite number of rooms will take an infinite amount of time. And... They have the time, but he doesn't want to have to deal with it forever. Me neither. Yeah, you either. So he tells you he wants everyone moved into their cells in two minutes. Is that possible? No. No. Actually, it might be. But how? If it's an infinite hallway and an infinite bus, how are you getting everybody off of an infinite bus... All the way down to the end of the infinite hallway. In two minutes. Yeah. Well, to answer that, we're going to have to... I'm sorry, everyone. We're going to actually have to talk about history in this episode of Fantastic History. Thank God. Zeno of Elia was a philosopher of ancient Greece who lived between 495 and 430 BCE. And he rubbed shoulders with some pretty big names like Plato and Aristotle. Heard of them. Now, not much is known about Zeno's life, and most of the information we have is pretty dubious. Um, one such account is that he attempted to overthrow a ruler named Nearchus the Tyrant. Oh, God. Now, Near I think I'm pronouncing that right. Nearchus the Tyrant is only referenced... In all of history, one time. Oh, they hated that man. Well, I don't know. The, the, the only time he's referenced is in the story about Zeno. Uh-huh. So we're not sure if he really existed or if he was just created for this story. Or they hated him so much that they completely blasted him out of history. I mean, we've had stories where we've talked about that before. That's like true. One surviving document is all the proof that anything actually happened. That's true. So we just don't know. Anyway, he was going to overthrow this tyrant. And when he was caught, he was tortured mm. to draw out the names of his co-conspirators. Sure. But instead of snitching, he bit off his own tongue and spat it <laughs> at Nearchus. I get him. The tyrant then threw Zeno into a mortar where he was pounded and crushed to death. Oh, God. But did any of this or anything remotely like it happen? Again, we, have, we don't have any idea. I'm sure something remotely like it happened. 
Perhaps. Maybe not to any of the named people, but I'm sure at some point that <laughs> happened. At some point in history? Yeah. Maybe. But Zeno's fame throughout history is through his works. Now, Plato reported that Zeno wrote a book that unfortunately was lost to time. But some of his works were preserved in Plato's own writings. Oh. So, we, so thankfully, I don't know if Plato copied them without his permission, plagiarized them a bit. Or not, but thankfully he did, because if he didn't, we wouldn't have it. Right. And these works are in the form of his famous paradoxes. Zeno's paradoxes, at least the few that survived, are famous and have puzzled mathematicians and philosophers and physicists ever since they were written down. Interesting. And here's one of the paradoxes. Achilles and the tortoise. Suppose Achilles is in a race with a tortoise. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, the tortoise is given a 100-meter head start. Okay. Then the race begins. Achilles sprints forward and reaches the 100-meter point. But the tortoise in that time has advanced 10 meters. Okay. So Achilles runs and reaches that 10-meter point. But in that time, the tortoise has advanced 1 meter. And Achilles runs and reaches the 1 meter, but the tortoise has advanced yet again. And you may see where this is going. A, a, a better, a better um, paradox that I like is one that he says is the arrow paradox. Suppose you fire an arrow at a target. Mm-hmm. The arrow must pass half the distance to the target, and then a quarter distance, and then an eighth, and a 1 over 16, and a 1 over 32, and so on and so on, always having the distance, having, having, having you will always have the remaining distance left for an infinite amount. And that means the arrow can never strike the target? Well, of course not. Okay. We know it hits the target, but if you're always having it, and you always have it, there's always an amount of space mathematically to have it, how can it hit the target? So Zeno's paradoxes of motion propose that motion is impossible, mathematically. But his paradox is a falsidical paradox. Okay. This is a paradox that appears to be false and can be proven to be false based on the premise. Right. Because we we know that Achilles will pass the tortoise. Yeah, unless he, like, every time he catches up with, with the tortoise, he just, like, stops and watches it for a while. Instead yeah. of continuing to run, which is what I found silly about that paradox. Yeah, th- there's only so much space all right and we know the arrow will always strike the target uh-huh. unless you're bad at you know but it took nearly two thousand years and the invention of modern calculus to prove it's mathematically now in the real world we know that you can only half a unit of length so many times until we reach the smallest distance that is calculatable okay what? That's just simply not how velocity works. Who cares? Who cares? Oh, we keep dividing it and dividing it, dividing it. That, but you you fired the arrow. There's force behind it. That that's not how any of it works. Who cares? Like, well, what is the point of this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I do. Why are we like not me and you, but like this dude? Like, what are you talking? How high are you? What's what? Right. Obviously, it has to happen, right? It's yes. So it seems like what's the point of even pro- pro- proposing the question? Right. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get to it. Okay. 
the smallest distance that we can calculate is the Planck length, which is about 10 to the negative 20, the size of a proton. Okay. So anything smaller than this makes no sense to us without, uh, with, with our understanding of physics. Anything smaller makes no sense. And there's also a smallest amount of time. The amount of time it takes for a photon to travel the speed of light in a vacuum to travel one Planck length. So we have our smallest units that we can even fathom with our understanding of how the universe works. Mm -hmm. And these are so small. You, you obviously can't see them, right? And when you get down to it, further division division isn't even possible. It's not like Achilles could even move a Planck length. Mm -hmm. But even if he could, he couldn't move half of it. So going back to the prisoner dilemma, right? That's where we were. That's where we were. Sure. We can use everything. Can we use everything we learned about Zeno's paradox of motion to help the, put the prisoners in their cells? Maybe. We're going to need a tool called a super task. Okay. So a super task is a sequence of steps that are countably infinite that occur within a finite amount of time. It sounds like a, an Excel function. It does, right? Super task, yeah. There might be a super task in, in, Microsoft, <laughs> in the Microsoft Office suite somewhere. Mm -hmm. The term was coined by philosopher James F. Thompson in 1954. And he thought, well, such a thing is impossible, obviously. And here's how I can explain it. He thought of a thought experiment to explain what he's talking about using a lamp. So let's say you have a lamp that's turned off and you have a stopwatch. At one minute, you turn the lamp on. After 30 seconds, you turn the lamp off. After four, uh, um, at 45 seconds, you turn it on. At 52.5 seconds, you turn it off. Every half would turn it on and then off and on and off for an infinite amount of time. But when the stopwatch strikes two, two minutes... Will the lamp be on or off? Well, it can't be on because the next step is is off. And it can't be off because the next step is on. Oh, I see. So if you're turning on and on and off so many times, it has to be either one at the end, right? I would assume it will be off because you've blown the fuse. Right. Something has to have happened. Right. So is, is, is he getting at a contradiction? Like... It can't be on, it can't be off, so there's like a a contradiction, a paradox here in his little thought experiment? I would say, I mean, because you're dealing with like a set amount of time, and even though you're having the time between doing this or doing that, you will still eventually get to two minutes, so it will be either off or on, because yep. it's not an infinite amount of time. Exactly. Exactly. In the realm of like what he's talking about, philosophy... It could be an infinite amount of time. Well, it, it can't be an infinite amount of time, but it could be an infinite amount of steps. Mm -hmm. But there has to be an end. Right. Because it's only two minutes. Paul Benacerf believes that Thompson's lamp does not end in a contradiction because we don't have enough information to know what's going to happen. Like you said, maybe maybe the, maybe the it broke. Right. Who knows? Because we do know that our uh, Achilles will overtake the tortoise. Mm -hmm. We know that the arrow will strike the target. But we don't know what the final stage of the lamp is going to be, right? 
I mean, but you could figure that out with math because you're only adding up to 120 total. So even though you're get, the numbers are getting smaller and smaller, you're still just adding numbers to get to 120. Yeah, but there's an infinite amount of steps. Even though it's a, it's a finite amount of time, there's no last step. I don't think that's true, but okay. When Vsauce tackled this problem, they proposed a solution. To, 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 to help figure out what the final state of the lamp is going to be. Mm-hmm. They proposed, instead of uh, your hand flicking it on and off an infinite amount of times, you could have a ball connected to the circuit. Okay. And you could bounce the ball on like a metal plate that's connected to the other side of the circuit. So whenever the ball makes contact with the plate, the lamp turns on. Mm-hmm. So it's bouncing and bounces half and bounces half of that and bounces half of that. Mm-hmm. And you could suppose that it bounces for an infinite amount of bounces. Always half, 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 half. But we know that the ball does have a final state, an ultimate state, Mm -hmm. a state of rest. Because no matter how many times it bounces, eventually it's going to just be sitting on that plate. Mm -hmm. And when the ball stops bouncing, the circuit will be complete. So we know it's going to be on. In this situation, if we could use a super task to house all the prisoners, maybe we could do something like after, you know, a prisoner moves into a cell and then half of that time, like like after one minute, a, a prisoner moves in. After a minute and a half, a, another prisoner moves in. After a minute and 45, another prisoner moves in. And as time halves, another prisoner moves in, moves in, moves in, moves in. It's an infinite amount of steps. But at the end of two minutes, all the prisoners are moved in. Because we did say at the very beginning, the laws of physics don't matter here. Only the laws of logic. So if it makes logical or mathematical sense, then it works. Just To me, it just doesn't make logical sense. So I, I don't think I'm the person for this thought experiment because that's just simply not how math works. It's not how math works. Well, math does deal with infinites. I'm not disputing that. I'm talking about a two-minute <laughs> limit of time is what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, that's, that's just simply not how it works. Like, you will run out of time. Eventually, yeah. I don't think it would take that long. Going back to something you said earlier, so what is the point of all of this, mm-hmm. right? Because we're talking about prisoners and cells and the infinite prison, which you're still on the hook for, just to let no, you know. No, it's a hotel and you put it, you made it a prison. So Yeah, it's, it's a prison. Um, what is the point of talking about infinity and paradoxes and such? Does it, ha- as you mentioned, time is finite. After two, th- th- there's only so many times you can divide time mm-hmm. before... If you divide it anymore, it doesn't even start make sense anymore. Right. And infinity doesn't exist in our reality as far as we can tell. And if it did, we'd never know anyway. Right. Because we never reach the end. Is there an end to pi? Maybe. If there is, we may never find it. So we may consider it to be infinite, but we can't know. Because every time we find the next number... We don't know if that's the end. Mm-hmm. There could always be a next number. So why bother even, why even talk about it, I guess is the point. 
um, and this is something I was thinking about too, like as I'm, as I'm writing out this script and thinking about all the things that I want to mention and propose to you, I'm thinking like, well, what's the point? Is this just, is just, is this just a futile thought experiment that doesn't matter? And then I thought, I thought it does matter because we're curious and we need to know the answer to the question or the mystery, just like you. You hate mysteries. Yeah. You need an answer to the mystery. Yeah. And our big brain we, we have, has resulted in us creating brain teasers since before we developed written language because we're all hardwired to figure out the answers to the questions we can't answer. And when we were, you know, as we were evolving, those questions were a little not as complicated as thinking about infinity, but they were still complicated enough to keep us going, keep us surviving. Mm -hmm. So talking about brain teasers and sort of figuring out the limitations of our own imagination and brain actually helped us to develop into who we are now being able to create calculus and create algebra and create geometry and create all these math mathematics that might even not exist in the real world, but still make our brains bigger. And, you know, we are so defiant to the word no, that it took 2000 years and the creation of new math to answer a riddle in an ancient book. And we do this so well that we've calculated not only countable infinities, but multiple uncountable infinities and infinite sets of infinite sets that only exist in our stupid ape brains. And I just think that's pretty cool because it's curiosity. And that's kind of the whole point of the show. Curiosity led us to cross oceans after other humans had crossed that same ocean and never come back. But we kept crossing it, which is stupid. Yeah. Why would you cross an ocean? No, the only thing you know is that you're probably going to die. <laughs> but we kept doing it. And eventually people found Easter Island. Why? Why do that? Because we're curious. And we've become so curious that that we've explored reality, like the, the edges of our universe, but we've also explored the edges of our creativity and our mind just to the point where we're proving things that are true and real that don't exist in reality, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool just shows we're never really satisfied i've got a riddle for you okay what do i have in my pocket Ooh, oh um <clears throat> um <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with an iphone that no that's that's from the hobbit he that's, didn't. That's the final riddle that the Bilbo gives Gollum to win the riddle competition. Oh, it, he says, "What have I got in my pocket?" Gollum didn't have a, an iPhone. Well, Gollum didn't have pockets. <laughs> it was Bilbo. Oh who yeah, said it's it. Bilbo's. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't want to talk about Gollum's pocket, okay? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that ever. Yeah, let's not talk about Gollum's pocket. That's gross. Thanks. But hey, you're not out of this yet. Your time in the infinite prison of paradoxes is not over. But ironically, that's all the time we have today. So, thank you for listening to this very strange episode of Fantastic History. If you liked it for some reason, let us know. <laughs> you can send feedback to fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. Attention, Clay. Attention, Clay. Attention, worst episode ever. <laughs> or you can reach out to us on threads or Instagram. We are Fantastic HPod on both. So, until next week. Bye.